Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're here with a real deal talk. Man, I'll tell you what, the, the mic's sounding really nice today. Or is it just me? Maybe it's me. Real deal talk. <laughs> here we go, right? <laughs> you know what it is? Uh, this guest today made me get up super early to do this interview. I'm feeling a little punchy, I think. I didn't, I didn't get my normal REM. <laughs> Normally about 7 a.m. I'm on, on, my, on my second hour of REM. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this guest today, he, I think... This guy right here is my youngest guest to date, um, 28 years old. He's just a young buck. But <laughs> let me tell you, he has fit a lot in those 28 years. He is a professional skateboarder, and he's on the Nitro Circus, okay? Or with the Nitro Circus. How do I, is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Part of Beaver the Nitro. Fleming, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Beaver Fleming. I met him through the Pathfinder program at Awakened Church, of course. I know absolutely nothing about this cat right here other than he's absolutely insane. Insane meaning I've been watching his videos and this is what sparked me to bring you in when I saw what you were doing. Cause I knew, you, I, knew I met you and you're an incredibly nice guy. Like you're a super nice guy, just just really full of energy and, and uh, passion. And But then when I saw what he does on Instagram and what what's your Instagram, is it? At Beaver Fleming. At Beaver Fleming, okay. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in right now. Go to his Instagram and look at his videos. You're coming off this thing. What is it called? The uh, the, the mega ramp. The mega ramp. Yeah. That so that's his specialty is the mega ramp. Yep. Explain the mega ramp dimensions. What is this? Yeah. So the mega ramp is basically like it sounds a mega ramp. So think of your normal skateboard ramp and amplify that 10x. Right. So we're basically dropping in. I think the drop in is about 80 feet tall. We're jumping about 60 to 75 feet in distance, and then there's a quarter pipe that's 28 feet tall, and we're going on some of our good ones about 22 feet out of that. So <sighs> close to 50 feet off the ground in the air. Yeah. Oh it's a wild God. ride. Every time I watch these <laughs> videos. I'm I'm like cringing <laughs> and you're not just jumping you're flipping the board around we're flipping ourselves around backflips around yeah. backflips <laughs> what's the one you do when you go from like the ramp and then you go up like 20 feet onto something else Oh yeah, the scissor lift. We we did that on the last Nitro Circus oh tour. My that God. thing never got any like more comfortable. Talk about getting out of your comfort zone. Every time, like the more you do something, like yeah. the easier it's supposed to be, right? But right. not with that. Every time that thing would come out, they would like roll it out. It was this big show. <laughs> They'd put it up, and oh, uh, it was terrifying every single oh time. Just looking at it, and then it worked perfect though. If you stayed committed, it worked great. And you you're you're not just jumping up there. You're jumping, and then the board's turning. Yeah. Yeah, without you touching board. it. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even fancy just, footwork. Yeah, fancy <laughs> footwork is right. I can't get over it. I'm like yeah. in awe of this. All right, so Beaver Fleming, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know how we do it. I as I just said, I really know nothing other than he's just absolutely phenomenal at skating and psych psychotic, basically. <laughs> And, you know, I'd love getting to know my guests on the air live. But before we do, we're going to dig in, by the way, okay? We're All gonna, right. Before we do, let's get a word from our sponsor here. And our sponsor is also us, Real Deal Sleep, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're loving the show, first and foremost, let me thank everybody for um, listening and watching. I can't tell you uh, how much it means to me from the bottom of my heart. It just means the world. I uh, went out to Boise this past weekend, and everybody on their crew, the Boise Awaken Church crew, was coming up to me telling them how much they love the podcast because – Melissa Higginbottom, the uh, her and her husband Colin, uh, dear friends of ours, they're now the lead pastors of Awakened Church in Boise. So we went out there to support their um, grand opening. And 
and uh, they made Melissa was on the podcast, right? So they made the entire staff out there watch her podcast because they wanted to them to understand where she came from and what she went through and her her trials and tribulations and her testimony. And they all just said it meant it was absolutely incredible, and they respected Melissa even more after they saw what she went through. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is what it's all about. That's why I bring my amazing guests in to leverage their story, to impact others, to inspire others. I can't wait for this story today from Beaver Fleming to find out how you go from just childhood to jumping off 88-foot, 80-100, 8,500-foot ramps or whatever. So I'm looking forward to this. But Real Deal Sleep, if you want to support the show financially, purchase a mattress, uh, realdealsleep.com. You can book an appointment with me on there. Um, uh, you know, you go to the website, purchase stuff on there. I actually ship all over the country. I just realized today as I was driving, I was like, wait a minute, I'm only pitching to the local San Diego market. But I know I have watchers all over the country, mm-hmm. like all the East Coast, mi- Midwest. I've got people from Texas tuning in. So, guys, I can I can ship all over the country. Totally forgot about that. Just a s- side note there. Um, and uh, anyway, thanks again for watching. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Um, share it. Share the show. Uh, comment. Um, I have been. Uh, I'm not actually. YouTube has kind of, you know, been been uh, watching me a little bit because some of my guests are a little bit controversial. But hey, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I always love that because that means I'm doing something right. All right. So, anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thanks once again, and we're back with Beaver Fleming. All right, Beaver, let's get into this, bro. Let's do it. Let's get into this. I got the shovel. We're Pl- digging deep. Dig- we're di- <laughs> I got the shovel. <laughs> you just you just get there. And I'm gonna dig out of you. All right. Alrighty. All right. So go back. Where were you born and raised? I was actually born and raised in Knoxville. Tennessee. Really? Yeah. I didn't expect that. No, many people don't. Being a pro skateboarder. Yeah, right? That's the normal, right? But Knoxville. Knoxville, Tennessee. Talk to me about childhood, parents. How were the parents? My parents were amazing. They actually just came out for Easter to meet uh, their grandson. I just had a little baby boy a couple weeks ago. Oh, my gosh, guys, ladies and gentlemen, Beaver, new dad. New dad mode. Congrats, bro. How great is that? It's the greatest gift. The greatest. It's been incredible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And this just literally just happened. Literally just happened. When was he born? What? uh, Uh, March 18th. Wow. At 1030. And the the filming of this podcast is April are we tenth eleventh yeah April eleventh so not even a month not even a month well, what what did you what did you name him Oliver 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 oh. Knox Oliver so no back way to Knoxville yep <laughs> oh that's great I oh love yeah it. all right Knoxville Tennessee yep uh, was were your parents just going nuts when they came out. Oh yeah, they yeah. loved it. They they had such a good time. My mom's actually staying because I got to go do some shows tomorrow yeah. through the weekend. So she's staying and helping uh, Gabrielle. She must out. just be in, in heaven. She's in heaven. Does she, do you have any other brothers and sisters? I have an older brother, and does he's he got have... he has two kids. Oh, he just does. Had okay. Another one. Okay. Yeah, so, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So this is your first. That's amazing. Yeah. Not nothing. I'm telling you right now, man. As much as you think life is uh, grand and fun and amazing and fulfilling. It, it really does not, it pales in comparison to when you have a child. Come on, yeah. Because then you really, really realize what life is all about. Mm-hmm. You really do. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And you just realize that, okay, now this whole thing shifts for me. And because what are we here for on this, this short journey in life? Mm. We're here to make a difference, right? Right. We're here to impact lives. We're here to serve God's children, right? We're here to, um, you know, make a mark. Mm-hmm. And the biggest mark that we can make is by raising great children, because yeah. that's what's going to be, we're going to leave behind is that legacy. Mm-hmm. And what are they going to do when we're gone? Yeah. Right? 
Mm-hmm. Are you just loving this? I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it. And that's what God's kind of highlighted and amplified is like, just appreciate every little moment, every little thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been incredible. Like just praise God, we had a beautiful birth experience. Like my wife had no troubles with it, like quick labor, quick delivery. Wow. And she healed up nice and he's healthy and doing well. So we're and just I blessed. heard yeah. that this dude was over nine pounds. Nine pounds, 10 ounces. He's a chunk. <laughs> He is a little champion. Oh, oh yeah. You got to be kidding. Yeah. That is a monster. That is a monster. I mean, my wife is just uh, everything. Like, wow. I, I mean, I look up to her. Like, it, she's incredible. And on that note, let's yeah. shout out to moms here. Yeah. Because I had massive respect for my wife prior to seeing her give birth. Mm-hmm. And after that, oh my I gosh. was like. Dude, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I'm not even worthy. No, right? Exactly. Ladies, there's a <laughs> like, reason. You want to be with me? Like, I mean, I'm in the delivery this room, and ridiculous. I'm just trying to encourage her as much as I yeah. can. But at some point, I'm yeah, like, push. Am I even saying anything that she's get? Like, no matter what I say, it's not going to make a difference. Like, this is on her, and just seeing her rise to it <sighs> and just stay faithful to like do it all natural and just go for it <sighs> oh, was just incredible. Yeah. Oh wow. She went for it, man. Oh, it was powerful. Man, it was incredible. <sighs> yeah. It was that this is why when you hear that the women are the stronger sex. Yeah. It's not I, I am not arguing with that <laughs> at all. Yeah. Seriously. For real. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So shout out to moms out there. You Come are on. you're you're the real MVPs out yes. there. Yes. All right, so let's get into this. Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay, so what went on there? So, you, both parents were together. They were amazing. Yeah, thankfully I had just such an amazing family and upbringing. I had the older brother and um, we love sports. And I, I always say with skateboarding, like I always loved the idea of being an athlete, but I hated having to rely on a team to mm. be as passionate as I was. Ah. So if I was playing, you know, I love playing football, baseball, soccer, all the different sports, but... I was all in, but a lot of my teammates weren't. And Mm. so I didn't feel like, all right, well, you guys aren't in this. Like, this isn't that much fun. If you guys don't want to win, like I want to win or be successful or do great and like push yourselves in it. I'm just, I think innately on all in kind of person. And I believe I get that from my father. Like he kicked football in college, but he was also like in his business world, like he's all in. He shows up before anyone's at the office and stays just to kind of set that example. But also when he's with the family, he's all in, he's there, he's present. And I was super thankful to kind of have that, you know, upbringing with the parents and then had the older brother, he was into sports. And when it came to skateboarding, I got into skateboarding. He loved the uh, video games. So he had the Tony Hawk video game. Oh yeah, and so he, being the older brother, he wouldn't let me play, but I got to watch him play, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, these guys are literally like flying, like they're using yeah. these boards and launching into the air, and they're hanging out in the air doing all these tricks, like that's literally flying. And so my neighbor had a skateboard, and um, he let me take it out and what gave age it to was me. This? What I age? was probably like eight or nine. Okay when I had first stepped on a skateboard and just something about it, I I was hooked instantly and I loved the idea. And even now I realize it was almost like a way God was teaching me before. I always say I knew before I knew God was teaching me these principles that I kind of knew before I actually knew what they were of like reaping and sowing, Mm. like cause and effect. Like if I, if I do this trick, right, I'm rewarded by landing it. If I do it wrong, I might get hurt kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, so I was just learning this and uh, just had such a passion 
passion. Like I would skate all day, like hours on end from the time I got home from school till my mom's calling us for dinner. And even if we finished dinner early, I'd go out and get a little more skating. And it just, I, it was something about like taking something you love and working hard and seeing yourself advance, seeing yourself growth. It was like a measurable growth. Like yesterday I could only do this, but now I can do this. And it was just, it kind of fueled that passion and ignited something new within me. And, uh, I just ran with it. I I loved it. I was obsessed with it. I literally was obsessed and would be called that. And then I grew up, um, in the Southern Baptist church, which was really funny. And I use this a lot in my testimony when I'm speaking uh, at youth groups and stuff, because it was probably the place I was most discouraged not to go after skateboarding. Like I shouldn't be skateboarding skateboarding. Yeah. Because in the time it was like the late nineties, early two thousands, I was born in 94. So I was probably skating early two thousands. People didn't know what skateboarding was over there. It's not where it is here where you see 18 kids skating down the street every minute of every day. It was like, I was maybe one of three kids that skated at my high school. And so the stigma around skateboarding was, oh, that's for the outcast. You know, that's for the druggies. That's for, you know, the grungy kind of people. That's not for good Christians or whatever. And so everyone at the church was kind of discouraging me of that, but I was daring to believe that God had something bigger and better and that I would be able to kind of make a difference in skateboarding, but also in the church culture and kind of say, hey, I believe, and I quote this scripture a lot because I believe this is what I did at a young age. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. That's found in Proverbs 16. And that just unlocked something new in me. I was like, God, I love what I'm doing, but I want to honor you with it. I want to commit this to you because I believe you're calling me out of Tennessee and into something epic. And uh, he was faithful. And I believe that, again, if you can see that vision of yourself in your mind, you can achieve it in your life. And so what I did at a young age, I really just started saying, what does a pro skater look like? Like, how do they show up? What are they going to, how are they going to approach what they do? And in my head, it was so funny because over Easter with my parents here, we were watching these videos and there's this video of me as a kid and I'm like calling out what trick I'm going to do. And my dad, he built for Christmas, this like kind of plastic half pipe. And so he built it in the garage because it was like a snowy winter there and I'm skating and I'm calling out these tricks and I could not do them at all. But in my head, like I was convinced, and I I guess I convinced him enough to film it, like, hey, dad, I'm going to do this trick right here. I'm going to do a tail slide. I'm going to go up on the ramp and do a tail slide. I had no capability of doing a tail slide at that age. But in my head, I'd watched enough videos, played enough Tony Hawk Pro Skater to know what a tail slide was and how to do it. I literally, in my mind's eye, I was doing the trick. But then my board was going one way, I was going the other way. But again, just having that mindset, and I think it's like faith, right? Like the Bible says, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. I was certain I was doing a tail slide in my mind, but it didn't come to fruition in that day. But over time, over practicing and developing that talent, it started to come. And it it was one of those things that I just saw a practical way to apply my faith to my work, to my craft. And the acceleration's just been amazing. It's been a wild ride. And I love this. uh, I love the way you're flowing with this man because faith. Mm Mm-hmm. Is like it's the number one thing that you have to have in your life. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just not going to live a a a life of joy and, and of fulfillment. Right. Because yeah. you're constantly like, if you don't, because life is really hard. Yeah. Becoming a pro skater was really hard. Absolutely. Being an entrepreneur, running this business, it's hard. Yeah. But we have faith. Yeah that it's going to work out. And it's going to be worth it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That it's going to make a difference. Yeah. 
and that it is possible. Like that's the ultimate thing, right? Like I didn't see a path necessarily, but I knew in my heart, like I could do it. So I I always say like the time I really connected the deepest with God was when I was 17, I had the opportunity to move to California. There was a boarding school uh, that had an action sports program. Um, The camp is called Woodward. They run summer camps, but for this particular, literally it's a God story because the school only ran for a year and a half and it was my senior year in high school. And so I'm still living in Tennessee. I'm competing at the national level and I'm starting to do pretty good. And I'm like, man, I only get to skate these certain kind of ramps, like the big ramps, the big skate parks, maybe three or four times a year. And I'm competing with the best kids in the country and some in the world. And I'm hanging, like I'm making top five. I'm making it to the finals. I got flown to Salt Lake City for a contest and I was doing really well. And I'm like, man, I wonder if I'm consistently in this environment, in this culture of skateboarding, California, what could happen? And so I moved out here and kind of left everything behind. Did you, what were your parents, you, did you run that by your parents first? Were they? They were very encouraging. Actually, my dad literally took a job and they moved to Oklahoma. And that job, what it cost or what he got increased in pay covered the cost of me to go to school out here. Wow. So it was literally like God opening that door. Did like, he purposely do that or he did just, he had taken a job and. No, he was like, I'm going to find a way to do this. And it just worked out that that was like, he was going to make it happen no matter what, but that extra cost yeah. was covered. Like, and, and how did you find this California thing? So I'd been going to Woodward every year in the summer. So oh, you did? yeah, again, there weren't a lot of skate parks, but thankfully, like I said, my dad built some ramps in the backyard or had people build ramps. So, so Knoxville didn't have any like skate parks. Not until I started getting into high school. No, we had like little parks, but maybe two ramps. Did you most. inspire other kids to, to skate? Absolutely. Yeah. We had all the friends, like we were watching footage of my birthday party. We had everyone out on the half pipe trying to ride it and kids just eating oh, it left no. and right. It was amazing. Yeah. It was, it was a fun time. And it was just, again, it was before social media and everything. Yes. It was like kids meeting up in the neighborhood. We're going to go skate. We're going to go skate around town. Like it was an amazing time. I absolutely loved where I grew up. Kind of, it was like that small town vibe, but it also felt big as well. And so it was cool to, I love going back there. I always joke. I'm like, going back to Tennessee is like vacation for me now like i live in california i travel all over the world and so it's like whenever i want a vacation it's like i want to go home and and are you when you go back does everybody know who you are like you kind of famous a little bit yeah Yeah. which is really cool but we just have a great community there great friendships there and it's really that southern hospitality and you just you know you build deep relationships i feel it's it's a lot different than kind of the obviously at awaken we have a culture of like wanting to know people but in california as a whole people kind of put on facades and they're not real but there it's it's you get the real deal Uh, Oh, that's great. Yep. Yeah, the real deal. There you the go. real deal. Real deal. Oh. <laughs> All right. And we're going to get back on your, your when you go to the, the boarding school, but I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted to get some more context in there. Okay. Dad growing up. Talk yes. to me about, you said that he was just great. Were mom and dad like at, uh, always watching? They go to events? Talk they to would. Me about how important or how great that was for you. Absolutely. I mean, they supported everything. So yeah, that camp, they would send me there every year in the summer for two weeks. They would drive me up there, let me hang out, skate and for where, a week. Where was the camp? That was in Pennsylvania. Okay. Pennsylvania. And they probably have 15 skate parks in this little community in the middle of nowhere, like Amish country, Pennsylvania. It's called Woodward. And um, yeah, so I would go there and I would just literally skate my face off and you're skating with kids from all over the country and they're coming there to train because it's just this high level you know facility for training for action sports and so would skate as much as I could and I would literally learn more in that week than I would any time of the year just because of the facilities and I would come back home to my ramp and like learn just dial in all this new stuff and it was almost like every year like clockwork like I'd go up there for a week or two weeks I'd get everything learned and then 
you know, the next however long I was just honing that craft and getting everything like as perfect as I could. So the next time I could try something bigger and better. And it was a really kind of fun cycle. But yeah, having the parents support was everything. Like my mom loved it. She would get super passionate about it. And then my dad, he had a really cool deal, especially going into high school and stuff. He's like, look, as long as you're making good decisions, you know, you're not out drinking, partying, getting into trouble or drugs or anything, I'll support you. He's like, as long as you're not getting into real trouble, like I was kind of a class clown, like in middle school and stuff, I would goof off and just high energy. And it's like, you got to learn how to channel it. And so thankfully in high school I did, but he made that, that deal with me. Like if you take care of yourself, if you stay out of trouble, I will support you. You won't have to get a job and I'll support your skating career for right now. And so he did that at a high level. And so I I took that like, all right, let's go. So I would, um, you know, like do these contests and stuff and he would help support me, like get me new boards and gear and all that stuff. So I was like, had everything I needed to be successful in it. And then, yeah, so his support just amplified everything that I was doing and just I I felt such a strong assurance he didn't understand it at all like they love football in the south you know what I mean like University of Tennessee the Vols it's like the biggest football stadium in college and that's all they care about on Saturday like so he understood football sports but he didn't really understand action sports and so it was cool kind of seeing him support me in that and again I think it's just and I'm learning as a father like no matter what my kid's into if I learn to love what he loves that's going to unlock a deeper intimacy in our relationship. Mm. And it definitely did with my dad, even though he didn't understand it, he tried enough to support me and that unlocked just a lot of trust I had in my dad. And I think we have a great relationship today because of that. Wow. I love that, man. I really, really love this like a lot because it frankly is not that common. Mm. Usually what I'm hearing over the years and interviewing people is in the childhood, it was the parents or the dad either wasn't present, weren't mm. present, or they kind of force what they want you to do, mm. what they think you should do, or maybe what they didn't get a chance to do. Wow, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. and live vicariously through you by no, you got to do football. Oh no, you got to do baseball. Like, what's this action sports thing? You can't go anywhere with that. You can't get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what you're saying here is so rare. Yeah, it was very rare. But it also took like humbling himself as well because there were definitely those conversations, especially with my mom too, like just thinking, oh, you need to go to college. You need to do this, all this stuff. Like it was kind of a war for her. And I know it was just from the culture around her, you know, and what they grew up in was kind of speaking that. And so she would have like parents, friends, like you're really going to let him move to California. You're really going to let him do all this. And so they were trying to second guess, but you know, they stood on the faith and ultimately like, even though they didn't necessarily understand it they just went for it and they they trusted that like god was going to do something great in and through me and it it just did it and happened was yeah. there any time <laughs> that they were like all right hold on what are you doing like where, where is this going to go was there any second guess you said a little second for guess sure a little bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely but that was where like i really in my dad even says this he's like you've inspired me to just not have kind of a plan b in life to right. just go all in on what god's calling you to do um and, and he always jokes because, like I said, he played college uh, football. He's like, man, if I had half the discipline that you have, I probably would have made it. And wow. yeah. And so it was cool to just kind of see that fruition and desire he had, you know, because I know where his family and all that came from. But he had something and took it to a point. And then like that discipline 
came into me and I was able to take it to a point. Wow. You know what I mean? Yes. And so same with my brother, like he's in a whole different realm. Unfortunately, he had a lot of injuries, like trying to snowboard and playing football and stuff, but he went and now he's an aerospace engineer living wow. in Alabama, but you know, has a beautiful family and is crushing it in his realm and now got, got this side hustle olive oil company. And so it's just cool to see again, like once someone, and I believe my dad was just kind of like a whole new line in the sand. I'm going to live in faith and honor God in my life. And now it's unlocked. Okay. So those things he fought for, I now can run with. And it's just seeing that legacy being transformed is incredible. And I'm just thankful that I had a dad that did support me at that level and also instilled in me what discipline looked like, what, you know, faithfulness looked like to my mom, because that's not common anymore. No. And so it was just, it was beautiful. And I'm just thankful. And I love what you, what you were saying about the, like the, not the plan B thing, like, or the mm -hmm. faith that even though this is something that's so, um, an anomaly yeah. of being a professional skateboarder, yeah. like where's that going to go? But, right. but you had so much faith knowing yeah. that, Hey, somehow, some way I'm going to serve mm -hmm. God through this. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know how, right. <laughs> no idea how it's going to work or how it's going to happen. Yeah. But I have faith. And now look at you. Yeah. It's happening. It's, it's honestly to again, quote the Bible, like beyond anything I could have asked or imagined as a kid, because I grew up and we'll kind of tie this back into, yeah. you know, moving to California. Right. Yeah. I grew up watching Nitro Circus and it was like Travis Pastrana. He started it. He was the first to do a double backflip on a motorcycle. That's and, right. Um, I remember that. Yeah. In insane. Like, and he was just literally the innovator. I I always say him, Tony Hawk, and uh, Dave Mira created what Action Sports is. They created a platform for all of us to be able to become professional athletes because not only did they have the skills, they also had the people skills and were nice to people and loved what they did and wanted to make, turn their passion into a profession. And they've provided so much opportunity. So I was watching the TV show and really the TV show was just kind of his life of living the dream, like obviously pushing the limits on the motorcycle, but also they were goofing around jumping tricycles and, you know, doing lake jumps on BMX bikes and just all kinds of nonsense that everyone and their friends would do in the summer. Yeah. And so we would watch this and get all hyped up, you know, and then we were going and doing it ourselves and things like that. So to be able to be a part of Nitro Circus, I never thought was possible because there wasn't skateboarding in it at the time. And then they created the kind of this live show. And as I'm going to school here, I'm still competing nationally and I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, all right, am I going to the pro level right now or am I going to stay amateur? And I wasn't quite ready to make the jump into X Games in the professional career. But I literally remember I'm coming into graduation and I just prayed God like I don't want to go back to Tennessee. This is high school. This is high school. Okay. So senior year of high school, I'm living in California. It's coming to the end of that semester. And I'm not sure, am I going back to Tennessee where my parents are in Oklahoma now? Like I had nowhere almost to go. I actually did live there for the summer with my brother. Um, the next year, because he was back there, but I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I trust you. I pray that you would open a door. And literally, uh, in a couple of weeks before I graduate, Travis Pastrana came up to Woodward. His wife's a pro skater, Lindsay, and uh, he saw me skating. And I'd always wanted to meet the guy. I'm like, dude, you've like pushed the limits of action sports. Like you've done things no one else in the world has done. People literally said was impossible, and you did it. Like you're incredible. And he's filming me skating around what they call the hangar, where the big skate park is, and before I even talk to him. And then I start doing these tricks, and he's like, dude, I've never seen anyone skate the way you're skating. Like this this is awesome. Like we got to have you a part of the nitro circus crew No way. and I'm freaking out. I'm like, yeah, that'd be epic. That'd be awesome. And hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. 
So this is when you're back there yeah. for board, what was it? What kind of school we call it? A boarding school. Boarding yeah. school. Literally a boarding, boarding school. Boarding, literally. Yeah. Skateboarding, boarding school. <laughs> and this is, this is when you were 17. Yep. You moved out there. I moved out there. Dad covered the bill. Yep. And now you're out there and, and you're at the point where you're about to graduate. Yep. And you're wondering, what am I going to do? Right. No yeah. idea. No idea. All right, go. All right, so I, I, I just want to spell that out, right? Yeah. There. Again, like I, I literally, I remember that prayer because it was kind of late at night, and I just was on a walk around like the campus there, and I was just like, God, I just pray that you open a door. It was that simple. Like I just trust you, and literally, that door opened up. I met Travis, and he invited me to be part of Nitro Circus. What did you Circus. say? Were you like, uh, duh? Yeah, and he, I was like. That'd be epic. But I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. And then he tagged me on an email with like the Nitro Circus athlete manager. And sure enough, on my 18th birthday, May 10th, I'm on a flight to Australia for my first ever tour. Now, were you doing the big like mega ramps at this point? A little bit. That was actually like kind of my first. What was your forte when he saw you? What, it, ma what made you so unique that it was like, whoa? It was like kind of the skate park atmosphere. So just like any skate park around here, obviously it's amplified up at Woodward. But um, And then I was trying certain tricks into the foam pit that they had, like a backflip, but I flipped my board while backflipping. No one had done that at the time. And so I was working on that and a couple of other things. And he was like, dude, that's amazing. And so I had skated kind of big ramps, but not the full mega ramp level. And, um, and that was a really funny story because when I got to Australia, I didn't have the right equipment. I didn't have the right board. Like you need a really tuned up board for those ramps. Like you don't want, I'm sure you've seen videos of people getting the speed wobbles. I don't, just I get, no Okay, idea. they go too fast and their board starts wobbling or like you've seen it on a motorcycle yeah. or something. Yeah, they get the speed yes. wobble. So that happens on the skateboard if you don't have the right board or you're not strong enough for it. And so I didn't have the right board. And I remember I'm going down this ramp and I start getting the speed wobbles and I barely make it off the takeoff. This is my first jump when I'm in Australia. And I just literally ditch my board and barely make it over the gap. And on your first jump, on my first jump, and I'm terrified. I just did flew. you tell him you didn't have the right equipment? I didn't know. Oh gosh, I didn't know. But thankfully, like I said, his wife's a pro skater, and she was actually down there. She skates those ramps too, and like looked at my board and basically just called me an idiot. She's like, "How are you riding this thing down this?" And then she literally just tuned up my whole board, and then we were good to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So hold on. Yeah. <laughs> was the were they like, "Oh no, did we make a mistake with this guy when you bailed on the first jump?" Maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, or was the crowd going crazy? They were kind of, well, it was before the show. It was in practice. Oh, thankfully. God. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. All right, so hold on. She tunes up the board. <laughs> yep. Was your second run a little better? Second run was great. I I great. didn't I don't think I landed it, but I made it and like, you know, I kept my composure and then figured it out by like the third or fourth. We were good right, to go, go and then flipping here. around. So here's what I'm in, in just wondering here. Yeah. Because you had this one forte, but then when you got out there with the Nitro Circus, yeah. were you doing your forte or did they put you right into the mega ramp? They put me straight in. Like were, that's were, what they have, yeah. But were you like, hold on, this isn't my specialty? Uh, it, I wanted it to be. You wanted it to be. I wanted it to be. And you had done a few before. I had done a few before. Not quite, again, not quite that big, but big <laughs> enough to like be understanding of what needed to take place. <laughs> And again, I think that's the step of faith, right? It's like sometimes you're put in a place where it's like, all right, what are you going to do? Here's your opportunity. Are you going to rise to it or are you going to, you know? And it really was because 
I probably had, there it was probably a hundred other guys that could have been there instead of me. But, you know, I was in the right place. I had put in the work and I truly believe this spiritual principle can amplify everything in your life that if you prepare yourself for opportunities, opportunities will present themselves Absolutely. to you. Yeah. And it might not look sexy on the first go, right? Like my first go, you might not have everything figured out, but you're willing to go anyway, but you make it across the ramp. You get a little sketchy going down. You barely make it off the ramp, but hey, you make it. And then you have someone like look into you and say, hey, let's fix something. Let's adapt. Let's, you know, let's revitalize. Let's see yeah. what's here. What's not working. What is. All right, let's tune that up. It's a little tune and now you're good to go. And now yeah. you can fly and now you can try things that no one else has done. And the best thing you said there was that um, if you're always prepared yeah. for an opportunity. Yep. They're going to come to you yeah. and then you'll be ready. It's most people wait for the opportunity. Right. Oh, if I only had an opportunity, yep. right? The, the have do be principle. If I only had this, then I would do what that person would do. Then it would be that person. Yeah. The world doesn't work that way. No. If you want to be successful in anything, you got to be the person first. Yep. Be this person in your mind, yeah. jumping this thing, doing these tricks. Yeah. Do what they would do, and then you'll have it. Yeah. Right? So, um, and uh, that is unbelievable. I love the way that the parallel here that you're, you're making this because most people, again, I'll say this again, most people say, if I only had that opportunity, then I would do it. Right. That doesn't work. Yeah. You got to be ready. And that's always irritated me because I remember like around that time I had some friends and they would always say, um, oh, it must be nice. Yes. Oh, it must be nice. Yeah. Oh, you're or, so lucky. Oh, we all can't. We all can't do this. Oh, if only we could all. And I'm like, well, you could. You just chose not to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really, I always think at the end of the day, life is as easy or as difficult as we make it. That's right. Like, everything is possible, but to what level are you willing to go there? People don't want to embrace the discomfort, you know, the, especially in our world nowadays. And it's so tough with the instant gratification and I want it all, I want it now, but all in now is never enough. And then once you get it, you don't appreciate it as much. Right. Like, I think the more you work, the more you press in, the more you have those times where you're literally on your knees. And I always make a joke. I'm like, whether I went, land on my wheels or land on my face, I'm going to have a smile because that's something I can control. Or I'm going to try and find joy in the process. Because there's been times that, you know, I've skated in front of thousands and thousands of people and absolutely crushed it. There's been times I've skated with no one around but a cricket, learned a trick and been so grateful and joyous. And it's like, how can I continue to find, you know, joy in the process mm -hmm. of being on my skateboard and pushing myself and feeling like I'm living out what God's calling me to do, which is to take something and make it excellent, to take something and put my own unique sauce on it. And again, it's, it's great to share that with the masses, but also the times that it's just been me and I learned like even a new trick on just flat ground, I can still find that passion and that purpose in it because I know I'm doing something like worthy of the call that I feel God has placed on my life. I, I love this, man. I love the way you're flowing with this because the, the one of the best best quotes, the most cliche quotes in history <laughs> is enjoy the journey. Yeah. The journey is everything. Yeah. Like you're saying. Yeah. So many people are so focused on the outcome. Yeah. They don't even enjoy the process of getting right. there. Yeah. That's Absolutely. what life is about enjoying it. You just said it. Everybody can make the decision. Yeah. To have a great life to have a joyful life. Life is great. It is. But it's what you make of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It can beautiful. be. Yeah. Yeah. It can be. It can be. But most people are caught up in this 
victim ment- mentality, mm-hmm. complaining, right? Yeah. Blaming the media, blaming the president, blaming this person. Yeah. Right? It's sad. Right. But it can be done. It can be done. You have the deci- you have the choice. Every day. Every day. Every day you have the choice. And if you don't like where you're at, you can change it. You can Absolutely. You can change your environment. You can change the way you think. It takes effort. And I would say to the older people, I know, like you said, I might be the youngest guy on here, but you've just got to double down on that time. Like if you've spent years and years and years filling yourself with the news or negativity or just all this stuff that's going around, you've got to like double down on that and make the active choice to, okay, for every minute I watch the news, I'm going to make two minutes of reading my Bible. I'm going to take two minutes of extra prayer time to like one minute of TV or whatever it is. Like you've got to really take it seriously. You've got to want to be different enough to make it uncomfortable, you know, to make that change. I mean, like people that want to get healthy. All right. For every double double you had in the past five years, you're going to amp up your juice cleanses. You know what I mean? Like you've got to do the work and sometimes it takes a little more effort, but it will always be worth it if it leaves you in a place of feeling content. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, and like oh yeah. being content with like, all right, maybe I didn't have the best start, but I can decide how I'm going to finish this race. That's right. I'm going to decide where I'm going to let the rubber meet the road and start to transform and actually enjoy this ride. Maybe put the windows down. Maybe take the, you know, the 101 instead of the five. Like sometimes you got to. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Open up the sunroof. Mm-hmm. Let the sun in a little bit. Yeah. Which, I mean, and it's it's finding that, I, I don't like the word balance necessarily because I yeah. think it's tough. Like what is balance? Yeah, what is you that? know, everything at zero. That's not right. what you want. But it's like the ebbs and flows, the the peaks and valleys. And I love that the Bible always talks about that, right? Like the mountains and the valleys, like how do we find the joy in the process? Like, can I be as joyful on the mountain as I am in the valley? Because I know when I'm in the valley, that's what God's doing in me so that he can do it through me on the mountain. It's like, what's he going to do inside of me that's going to get me through this valley? You know, the valley of the shadow of death, death is all around us, but I will not fear because God is with me. Like having that trust, having that faith that, yeah, not everything's perfect, sunshine and rainbows right now, but I know that it can be beautiful and that the scars are going to tell a beautiful story of God's triumph, of God's breakthrough. We just celebrated Easter, right? Like the greatest story ever told of Jesus literally going to the pit of hell to redeem our life. I mean, what agony. It says he would sweat drops of blood. What he felt, we can't even fathom. But again, it's like him coming into our world. Hey, I need to know what they're going through so that I can redeem and restore them to who they're called to be. And so by him doing that, it just gives us that hope that we can anchor in. And again, you were talking about faith so heavily and without faith, we we have nothing. nothing. We have nothing, nothing at all. And so wherever you're at, just take that spark of faith. Let it ignite. Just take something and say, God, just like I did, God, I don't know, but I just pray you open a door. And that door, God will blow your mind every time if you give him the opportunity. And again, truly give him the opportunity. It's not just saying it. It's actually, no, God, because I trust, I believe I will walk as it's so. And, and you just said something for the older people. Mm. It's never too late. Yeah. It's never Mm-mm. too late to make a change. Yeah. To do something different, to act differently, to have change the thoughts in your mind. Because right. everything's in your mind. Yeah. Everything is in your mind. Yep. Change your mind, change your world, control your mind, control your destiny. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. It's so, and it's never too late, ladies and gentlemen. I'm 52. 
I'm just hitting my stride now. Come on. 52. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. Yes, hitting sir. my stride now. So it's yeah. never too late. Right. Because a lot of people think, oh, once I go, oh, I'm done. It's over. Yeah. The dream is dead. I'm in my 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Forget it. It's too late. I can't become this. I can't do that. And mm-hmm. like you said earlier, Beaver, is discipline. Yep. Right. You have to be able to harness discipline. Right. Discipline is everything in our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So I'm going back again. We're going back to boarding the boarding boarding school. Yes. You were 17. Yep. How did that go when you were there? Give me the whole center. Did you love it? Was it great? Were you doing normal classes? How does a boarding boarding school work? <laughs> so it was honestly the best thing for me because I went to normal high school and I didn't do bad, but I didn't do great. I didn't feel like I was thriving. Um, I mean, just nine to five or eight to three in a classroom wasn't, you know, for me and it's not for everyone. But once I got there, I realized as long as I did my work, I could have all the time in the world to skate. And again, I'm at the like high class, world class facilities. I'm going to get my work done so I can go and skate because some of the other kids didn't take it as seriously and they would have to be in the classroom all day. But Mm. I was like, I figured out this rhythm. I could get there, basically go from like eight to noon, get all my homework done, get all the schoolwork done, even get ahead sometimes. And then I would have, you know, 12 to 10 to skate, train, do whatever I wanted to do. And so it kind of just put that in me like, all right, as long as I get this done, I'm good to go. Let's, let's roll. And again, it gave me that structure and I'm thankful for it. Like, I think schooling is absolutely great. If it can be taught in the right way, we can learn what we really need to learn. That's applicable if it's practical and then you can go. But again, it taught me that self-responsibility that I had, I was there for a different reason, I would argue, than other kids. Only one other kid, I think there was maybe 20 kids at the school program. One other kid made it for a time as a BMX rider, but it was very short-lived. Um, and then I was really the only professional skateboarder that came out of it. And again, it's a world-class facility. Everything's right there yeah. for you. Um, but it, it just, what are you going to do with what you have? And are you going to honor the different things. Yeah, school's not fun, but it's like, if this is all I have to do, and I think it taught me like, do the things you don't want to do well, and then you're going to appreciate the things you love doing even more, you know? And I always joke about washing a dish, right? Like you have this dish, no one likes washing dishes. I absolutely don't like it. My wife says I don't do a good job. But what I did learn is this, and I try and do it every time I wash a dish now, rather than think, oh man, this washing dishes sucks, and say, man, by washing this dish, I'm actually creating an opportunity for someone to enjoy a beautiful meal off this plate. It totally shifts the perspective of it rather than what am I getting out of washing this Mm. dish to man, I'm creating an opportunity for someone to enjoy something. And that just puts purpose in what you do. And so same kind of thing. Yeah, what am I doing by getting all these schoolwork and tasks done? Well, it might not make sense in my head where I'm like, I don't care about math. Like I just want to go skate. But what it's going to do is going to develop discipline. Yeah, Mm. it's not fun. But as a kid, yeah, you need to do things that you don't enjoy doing. I I would absolutely argue that, but find a way to enjoy doing them, right? Find a way to find, okay, this isn't the most fun weeding a garden, but Hey, what's going to be the result after this? And I get to take part in that. You can actually be a part of creating something beautiful. So I learned that a lot in that boarding school setting. And again, if you, if you do the things, I, I don't know the quote exactly, but it's like doing the things now. So you don't have to do them later by doing the things now, like getting the work done from that eight to noon time. I got to have all the time in the world to skate and really create what I believed I was called to. And then, so, so then tell me mm-hmm. that, um, like, when did the moment happen when you saw, uh, Travis? 
Yeah. Like this was towards the end of that year? It was toward the end of that year. I would say it was probably, yeah, because I flew down in May. I think it was literally like April because I was like coming into the end. And I was like, it was like March or April time. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, am I going back to Tennessee? Am I going to try and move to Oklahoma with my parents? Like, am I going to try and stay out here? But I don't know what that looks like. And are you trying to get sponsorship deals? Like what's happening? For sure. Yeah. 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 I definitely was trying to, and I had a few companies like kind of flow me product and things like that. Um, but I was just really just believing that something was going to shift, like something was going to happen. And I, I could never have prayed to be a part of the Nitro Circus crew or traveling to Australia on for my first tour. But that's literally what happened. Yeah. And so so after he came up to you, which was about March or April. Yeah. Right. Um, when were you flying to Australia? In May. In yeah. that quick? Literally that quick, like a month later. And what are they, so they, so then you get paid, then you're on the, then you're on the payroll or how does it work? Yeah. Or then you get sponsorships or both. Mix of both. I mean, on the Nitro Circus, we're doing sold out shows in front of thousands and thousands filling up stadiums. And so that led to awesome sponsorship opportunities with brands and companies and uh, even, you know, companies outside of skateboarding, like different deals. And uh, yeah. And then you're getting paid per show kind of deal. And then it opens up the influence for competitions and things like that. So it's, Yeah been amazing wow. and so you're so you they jumped they literally dropped you in yeah to to the mega board oh me, yeah mega, mega, mega ramp. ramp yep now because was there any was there any other types of ramp on that show or just the mega ramp was the big big thing uh that was for the skateboarding literally. and then they had the motocross they had a few jumps for the motocross guys and then we had it was like skateboarding bmx and then again from the tv show where they would take tricycles they started bringing trikes down the ramp they would build what they call a contraption segment so it's literally they have a wheelbarrow they had a guy in a wheelbarrow at one time going down the ramp they would have like a barbie car going down the ramp and it, it's a wild show we got to get you out for sure. Oh my god! We'll get gosh. you into the family. We're doing a tour this, uh, I think, fall here in the U.S. You are. Yep. So, is there ever? Is it ever in San Diego? Is there ever? We did L.A. last year. You did, but I think there is. I, I've heard there's talk of a San Diego stop. And so, how how long does this run? Does it run annually? Like, is it a? It's been running uh, since 2010. So this is its year round. Yeah, year round. And since Nitro Circus's inception as a DVD to TV show, it's twenty years this year. Wow! So it's the twenty year anniversary tour. So and are you on big. every? Are you on every tour with them? I've is... been on pretty much every tour since 2012. Are you like homies with Travis? Oh yeah, I actually they have a house here in Carlsbad, and Shut that's up. where I'm living right now. That's where what? I met my wife. Yeah. All right, hold on. What? Yeah. Yep. Okay, hold on, hold on. All right. <laughs> So let's go back. Let me get back. Let me finish high school first. Okay. We'll finish high school. You get to the school. Nitro Circus. Yeah. Was college ever a possibility? No. Not no. for me. For no. my mother, yeah. And that took some time to help her understand, but she finally understood. How did you make her understand? Uh, just by lead by example. Lead by example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why was college not your thing? I just... I don't disrespect it. I think it's perfect if that's what someone feels they're called to. But in my world, it's like just not necessarily necessary. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what I'm called to do. This is how I feel. And I learned so much by traveling to Australia, traveling to Europe, all those college years I was in, I was traveling the world. Yeah. You know, I was starting to make money. I was trying to figure out what to do with that. I was, you know, in environments and culturally just growing in so many ways that 
I think it taught me more than sitting in a classroom ever could. Yeah. And then just figuring out ways to get clever. And it's it's just a different world we're in now. I think for a time, yeah, college made sense. And of course it does. If you want to be a doctor, if you want to be, you know, in these certain specific fields. Specialized knowledge. Yeah, specialized yeah. knowledge. Absolutely. Yep. Like I fully respect, like my brother, aerospace engineer. Yeah. He went to college. He got his master's. My wife, environmental science and management. She went to college and then she just was like, I want to get my master's. I don't need to. So I respect her for a whole nother reason on that yeah. one. But same kind of thing. Like that's the lane she felt called to. So go all in. Like, again, whatever you want to do, just be committed to it. You yeah. know, I knew my path was skating and I was like, I'm all in. And, and basically at the end of the day, well, the most important thing, the thing we control every day is just give it everything you've got. Do yeah. your best. Do your best. Do your best. And yeah, find the ways to find joy. All right. So now tell me. You're on the circuit. What, yep. Give me some. Give me a crazy story from a country that you were in, like like fans. Um, your your craziest trick you ever pulled off was did, like. Did you ever pull off a trick for the first time in front of a crowd? Yeah, one of them was actually really funny. I was goofing around with this trick. It took me so long to figure out. Um, I was really into Taylor Swift at the time. Not so much anymore. She's gone some uh, crazy ways. Yes, but I loved her music. You know yeah. the country music, the country Taylor. Bring yeah. her back, please. Um, <laughs> So I, I was working on this trick. It was basically like I jump off my board, kind of do like a flat spin, like half backflip, half cork 360, leaving my board flat. I turn and then I grab my board and throw it under my feet. And I called it the swift roll. And I literally, the swift roll. Yeah. And so I literally landed this trick on one of the tours. And it was crazy this is the meg, on the mega on ramp. the mega ramp. Yeah. So I am rolling down. I ditch my board. I don't even touch it. I do a full 360 and then I grab it and throw it under my feet. It was literally one of those tricks that we were joking might be possible, might not be possible, but figured it out, put it down. And then we had nitro. We had everyone on the team tag Taylor Swift. Yeah, but I don't know if she ever saw it. My theory is like one of her managers saw it and was like, oh, he's way too good for like he would actually help her not write these heartbreak songs anymore. Like she'd be too happy with her life. So we're not going to let her see it. That's my theory. What? Yeah. I think I've seen this trick on your Instagram. Yeah, you probably have. Yeah. Because there is one where you literally aren't touching the board. Yeah. And you're flipping around. Yeah. And somehow. And then I just the snatch board. it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's, dude, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right, so get, let's say, okay, so we got, we're on the Nitro Circus, yep. all right. Now, how far till you, oh, okay. So what do you mean this house in Carlsbad? What does that mean? Yeah, so um, that boarding school, like I said, they have a summer camp that mm. they run. And so that's up in Tehachapi, California. So I was living up there in between tours. Like it kind of worked out because I want my goal is to stay here in California. Yeah. And once they saw, oh, you're doing something in skating. Okay, we can have you here and then help out in the summer with our camp and stuff. And so they let me live there off season as well. And so in between tours, I'm living up there, hanging out. And then eventually felt the need to move down here to San Diego because there's just more skate culture and community. I think there's 63 skate parks in San Diego County. Wow. It's literally the hub out here. No kidding. It's insane. Yeah. So I need to go hit, hit them all. Yeah. Hit all the parks. Yes. Let's go. Um, so moved down, uh, moved initially to Encinitas. And this is when I got invited to Awaken as well, actually. Mm. And I'll kind of dive into this story a little bit. Yeah. We're here to dig. Let's do it. Yes. Um, so at the time, I actually wasn't looking for a church because I had never found a church that 
I felt believed what the Bible actually said. Yeah. I was living this kind of faith journey, but every church I went to, I just wasn't experiencing like, it seemed like they would talk about scriptures, but they weren't living it. You right. know, they weren't really right. believing what they read. And I just had a hard time with it. And mm. I'm like, God, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm thankful that you've opened these doors. And again, you know, I would do devotionals on the road. Like I actually helped lead a prayer before a lot of Nitro Circus shows. Like even when I was younger, um, we would all pray before, like I'd get the crew of believers that were there and we'd pray before the show and stuff. Um, but never found that church kind of community. And so coming down here to San Diego, I'll never forget um, Joel Piper, if you know him yes. from uh, Balboa. I booked him. He's on. He's coming on. Oh, come on. Perfect. Yeah. So he actually rode mountain bikes a little bit. So he came up to Woodward and I met him there. He heard I was moving to San Diego and like reached out like, hey, are you looking for a church? And I was like, honestly, not really, but sure, I'll come say what's up and hang out. And uh, sure enough, that was- So uh, you had met him? I'd met him at Woodward. Yeah. And he just called you out of the blue? Yeah, he had my number and heard I was moving down. I think one of our mutual friends that he rode with up there had mentioned to him I was moving down here. And so, yeah, he just hit me up like, hey, I'm going to, uh, this is the church I've been going to. You can come on Sunday. And so I met him. I literally just booked him on my show. Oh, come on. I'm not kidding. That's going to be a good one. Interesting that you brought him up. You're not going to want to miss it. Oh, yeah. Joel Piper. Oh, he's incredible. shout out. Let's go. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, he texted me and I show up at Bressy. And hang out with him, you know, we're talking. I showed up a little early so I could see him and chat and catch up. And then um, it was just everything different of any experience I'd had at church. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, I yeah. think that's what everyone experiences at Awaken. Just from worship, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist, so everyone's sitting down during worship. Right. And like, if you put an arm up, everyone's eyeballing you. And like, you're the crazy lady that no one understands <laughs> kind of thing. Like, I, God bless that lady. I know, oh man, Lord is with her. She was powerful. I literally remember that because now thinking back on it, I'm like, how incredible. Like everyone else is sitting and you're just sitting there encountering the you presence can, you of can God. Remember this. I can remember it so oh vividly because we all thought she was crazy, but now I know she was just encountering and it's yeah. like, praise God. Feeling. Yeah. Feeling. Right here. Yeah. She's in. Oh um, my God. And so, yeah, like <laughs> I'm, I'm like sitting there cause that's all I ever knew from the churches I'd gone to, you know what I mean? But then I'll never forget because pastor Jurgen got up there and the one thing he said that stuck with me was here, we preach the whole Bible and we believe everything it says. And I was like, okay, I'm in then. He because said it that day. He said it that day, exactly what I was feeling I'd never found before. Like we believe the whole Bible, everything it says. Because again, like that was what I believed. I was like, commit to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Even something as crazy as skateboarding, you know, because God yeah. doesn't care really about what we do. He cares about who we are. So whatever you do, commit that to the Lord. I believe like God would have blessed me had I chose, you know, maybe football, maybe something, you know, yeah. different, like Lord only knows, but I chose a skateboard, whatever I do, because he wants that creative ability with you. He wants to come into what you have in your heart. Mm. Yeah. Love that. All right. So, so first service, Jurgen. Yep. What would you say to Joel? Dude, I'm in. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was in the youth at the time. And so I had kind of come and stepped in and started helping out in the youth. And that, that really unlocked kind of my speaking as well, because I'd always felt like, man, I came from a small town with a big dream and God has done so much in my life, but I hadn't really shared it at the time. I remember Pastor David Chittick, he was kind of leading the youth at the time as well. And Joel was serving and they opened an opportunity for me to speak. And it just was amazing. And I really felt like, wow, I actually have a, a voice here to encourage people to you know, trust God, to dare to trust God in what they do day in and day out. Like, it's not just about raising your hand one time and accepting Jesus. It's like, 
how can I honor God in my skating, you know, in my job, in my sphere of influence? How can I truly honor him by living a life worthy in what he's called me to do? And it just unlocked this whole thing. And I've had opportunities to go speaking all around the world. I would always text Pastor Jurgen like when we were going on those trips to Australia, because he's so well connected down yeah. there. And he'd line it up to where I'd get to go speak at all these different wow. youth groups and churches. And just the power of God would come, man. And it just unlock something new in me I'd never even thought. So that's what I think is amazing about our church is like we all have these gifts and being in a part of a community like this, it un- it allows people to unlock mm, and pull them out of you and say, totally. hey, man, I see you doing this. I see you operating in this gifting or in this place and, and running with it. So And Awaken cool. yep. is why this how and why this podcast launched. Come on. Just to your point. Yeah. And I got goosebumps <laughs> because when I did the Pathfinder program. Yep. Um, I had been wanting to do something like this for years and years and years, and it was Awaken and Pathfinders that got that gave me the courage mm. to finally do this. Right. This was all in my mind. Like it took me like a day to set this office up because it was already in my mind the whole yeah. off, the whole studio. Oh wow! And what it was, Beaver, was I had people around me mm. that believed in me, that not not just believed in me, that. Um, that want me to succeed because they know it's yeah. for the kingdom. Right. If JD succeeds and I can, my voice and what I do, my gift yep. goes to the world and, and serves God, they're like, we need this guy to go. Come on. Right? Yeah. And like, so when I know all these people are believing for me, they want me to succeed, they're praying for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. And just to your point, the same thing. I wouldn't I was not in a church, people know me, for forty years. Wow. And I was not a church guy, not a God guy, the Jesus thing, whatever. I was yeah. laws of attraction, energy. That's it. Yeah. But because that's and because what I had seen in my journey is that people were going to church mm. but then not living godly lives. Right. Yeah. Exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. My life is way more beautiful than these people. Yeah. I don't need to go to church. They're going to church and they're they're like, they're at bad relationships. They're, right. Their marriage is a mess. Their family's a mess. Yeah. What is this? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm like, I don't want any part of that. Right. Then I go to Awaken and forget about <laughs> it. And there we are. Yeah. 50 interviews in, <laughs> rocking the world. Come I've on. Got, I've got uh, Beaver Fleming from the Nitro Circus in here Ew. doing flips in the in the studio. <laughs> All right, so keep going, dude. Um, okay, so we're back. Joel Piper got yep. you to awaken. Yep. And that we, I think we were, we think we were going to the house in Carlsbad. Okay. When you met wifey, where were we? Oh my gosh. Okay, so this right, is totally another miracle moment. Um, this was the beginning of COVID. I'm moving from Encinitas up, or I'd already moved to Carlsbad and I was living in an apartment. But um, like I said, they had had a house and a family was living in it for a few years. And then they were like, hey, the house Who's is that? open. Who's uh, the Pastranas. Okay, got it. So Travis's house here in Carlsbad. And so they're like, hey, the house is open if you want to move in there for a bit. And I'm like, okay, cool. They're like, it hadn't rented because of COVID and stuff. And I'm like, okay, it was a sick three bedroom house, like huge backyard, trampoline, everything. And they actually have a back house for when they come out that they stay in. It's like kind of a, you know, guest suite deal. And uh, yeah, so I moved in and had no idea, but the week that I was like literally cleaning my closet, like packing everything up. I, I remember praying because I'd been praying for a while. Like I wanted a partner, like I want a wife. And I remember I, God, the Holy Spirit asked me, well, what would you want your wife's name to be? It was literally that level. I was like, I've always loved the name like Gabby, like Gabrielle. I think that's such a beautiful name. I love that name. So 
uh, again, joking, I knew before I knew. Yeah. I literally moved into this house and she was on a work trip. So I didn't know she was in between places hanging out in their back suite because she's like basically grew up with Lindsay. They're like cousins. And so, oh, oh, so Travis's Travis wife. wife. Yeah. Yeah. So they grew up together and are just best friends. Yeah. And um, their moms are best friends. So she comes back from that trip and I'm just thinking it's a normal day. I'm going to go back. There's a lot of fruit trees out there, get an orange. And she's like taking the wax off her surfboard to like do ding repair, fix her surfboard. She's like, howdy neighbor. And I'm like, oh wait, I have a neighbor. Okay, cool. Like, what's your name? Gabrielle. I'm Beaver. Nice to meet you. When she said Gabrielle, were you like, wait a minute? I didn't even think about it you then. Think about it. I didn't think about it. I was just like, I mean, obviously because, but the crazy one is too, like talking about our prayer meetings. So at one of the awakened prayer meetings, 530 AM, uh, it was prophesied over me. God's going to bring you your wife. God is bringing you your wife. And I'm like, how much how? more can she be brought than in the backyard of the place <laughs> I'm living? You know what I mean? <laughs> how long, how long prior was that prayer? Oh, year. Oh, that, that word? The prayer, the word spoken over you till that happened. I think maybe six months to a year. Oh my God. Yeah. So about that time. And so, yeah, you're looking, but I think it was long enough that where I forgot about it, you know what I mean? Until that point. And so it was amazing, man. It it was seriously. So how did that start? She goes, howdy neighbor. You're like, Hey, did you start talking to her? Yeah. And then we just, first of all, she's surfer. And the crazy thing. Yeah. And I've always wanted to get into surfing. Like you would think being a skater, but living in Tennessee, I didn't grow up surfing. So, you know, I didn't know the technique and obviously you have to learn to catch the wave before you can stand on the wave. Standing on the wave, I'm good, but getting the timing and all that. So she had taught me that. But the crazy thing is that conversation, she said, everything happens for, I believe everything happens for a reason. You're in my life for a reason. I just don't know why yet. Wow. I say that all the time. She said that the very first day we met. I love that. And uh, and it was amazing too, kind of walking her through that because she grew up Catholic. And so it's just a powerful thing. She had gone through like a really kind of nasty breakup, toxic, codependent relationship. And then we had met and we just built a really good foundation. So she was living in the back for a couple months because she was going to go get her master's. Um, and we just realized- how, we how, like, how did she end up there? How did she, did she know Travis? She was in oh, between that's right. places. That's yeah. right, so she's Lindsay's, Lindsay's cousin. Okay, yep. cousin, okay, mm-hmm. that's right, I forgot. So she was in between places Copy. from that breakup and trying to, you know, it was-, it was Same age as you? Uh, She's a little older. A little older, okay. And I always knew I was gonna have an older wife. Is that I don't right? know why, yeah, huh. yeah. Well, you're an older soul. That's what I feel. There's no doubt about that. Thank like, you. Like the way that you speak, um, it, mm. it's impressive. Like Ooh. I'm thinking, and you had no college. No college. So ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. You, you don't have to go to college to speak well and to be a speaker. So anyway, um, so you were a couple of years older than you? A couple of years older than me. Okay, so yeah. at that time she was about 20, 27. You were 25-ish. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. give or take. Or, yeah, I think I was 26 and okay. she was 29. Okay, yeah. yeah, I was doing trying to do some math there. Doing on the, the math, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we just started doing life together. We realized like- All right, hold on, hold on. So you met her, right? I met her. Okay. Did what point were you like, do you want to go on a date? Like, where did it get to where you're like... So that's what I'm saying. We just started hanging out and building a friendship. Just hanging out. Well, no, like doing life, we realized like, oh, you eat pretty healthy, like organic foods and this and that. Like, hey, I'm going to cook breakfast. Do you want to eat? Hey, I'm going to go surfing, actually. Do you want to come and learn? And Got it. We okay. would just... Hey, I love going on walks. You want to go walk and watch the sunset? We're like a half mile from the beach. So we would just start walking and hanging out. And we just realized like, okay, this person's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we literally just started with that foundation, right? Because yeah. I just- Just the best. I, it, which was the best, especially like just 
wanting to be safeguarded and not get into trouble or move too fast. Like she's living like literally on the same property. Like that could open up, like it could be easy to go from zero to a hundred real quick. But I felt called to do something different. And we just talked all the time. Like I didn't have a TV in the house that I was in. And so we would literally just talk all the time. We would have these deep in-depth conversations and just learn about each other. And then traveling all over the world is amazing, but I never had time to settle down and have a relationship. So I'd never really, like I dated here and there, but never had a consistent relationship. Um, And then she had had, like I said, a kind of toxic relationship she'd just gotten out of. We literally started writing down like, well, what would you want in a relationship? And we literally wrote down 10 different things and uh, we call them our roots. And this was before we were still dating. And as we were writing them and as we were like hanging out. And you and, weren't actually dating at this point. No. You were just being friends. We were being friends, but we both like we, just from the conversation. like this could be the one or no inkling at all? I, I knew before I knew. That's all I can, that's all I know how to say it. Yeah. It's like, I knew before I knew. And so we were writing this stuff down and then again, like going surfing or cooking or eating or going on these walks. And then I was like, well, actually, I think you're this person that we both have been writing about. Like we want to have fun and joy in a relationship Well, we're having fun and there's a lot of joy. You know, we want to have honest conversations. You've told me things you've never told anybody. Like we had those deep in-depth conversations. And so going through the roots and then we literally like, I had felt like we were kind of dating, but she said I hadn't officially asked until the 4th of July. So she made me ask her. Oh, geez. Yeah, to make it official. She did? The 4th of July. Yep. <laughs> how, how many months had you been hanging out? Uh, at so that we point? met in May, June. Oh, this is quick. Yeah, like two months. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. All right. So keep going with that. Okay. So keep going with so that. Made, so major ask. And then, so. Major ask. Want to move into the big house? Well, honestly, that's what kind of happened because I was Was she going to church? uh, She started coming with me. She did. So that was a big thing about her testimony was she was raised in the Catholic church and then she kind of wanted nothing to do with it, but never lost. Like she always knew Mm -hmm. there was a God, Yeah. like always knew. And just through life, you know, like going to school in her time and being out here in California and environmentalist, like that was her passion was like, you know, restoration and things like that. I mean, that field will literally, and she'll say she was brainwashed. Like she was really in a kind of mindset of that, but then just encouraging her like the more beautiful like hey we're called to nurture this planet that god's given us and so she has an incredible way of ministering to such a broken field of people who care more about the world than they do about people yeah so it's been amazing to see her really step into that role and just enlighten the people in her field like hey what's the matter if we save the world but people are perishing um that's a whole nother tangent. But so, yeah, we're bringing her to church and she's getting unlocked and it kind of came to this place. And then as we were dating for those few months, um, so what happened was the Lindsay's mom was coming back to stay in the house. She was going to go up to Santa Barbara, but COVID hit. So she couldn't go anywhere. And then I had another roommate from the church, um, move into one of the rooms. And then I was like, we do have another room if you want to be here. And so thank God there was a room here. His room was here and I was over here. So we had great accountability on that part. Um, But we were just, you know, trying to figure out how to make it, make things happen and just keep going. We were like, we're in a good rhythm. We're in a good routine. And then she was going up to Santa Barbara to spend some time just for some classes and things like that and get to know the people in the program. And um, we were just learning 
we were learning so much and she was unlocking and it came to a point where as she was getting unlocked in the church, she was coming with and just experiencing breakthrough kind of like, okay, is this too good to be true? Is God really this great? And then she was trying to use some of the things in her past to make me judge her. And I found this out when we were having some of these conversations and arguments for no reason. And I was like, no matter what you've done, I, I will not judge you. And then she had to be okay with telling me kind of everything from her past, from mistakes to shame to whatever. And I was, and she, and it was really kind of her turning point in her faith. She's like, I had to be either okay with him accepting me or saying, no, I want to go find someone else. And she had to come to herself in that and say, all right, God, I'm going to trust by being real and honest to this man that I'll be okay either way. And which was huge. And I have so much respect for her for that, but it only made me love her all the more because she was willing to deal with what needed to be dealt with. You know, she wasn't trying to put on this front or facade or hide anything. She came all in and was like, yeah. And and I told her, you know, what we know as believers, like what you did is not who you are. And so kind of helped minister through that and walk her through some of those things. And same with her with me, like she helped me in a lot of that stuff too. And just being willing to, again, love is a choice, not a circumstance. So loving the person and helping her overcome the choices she's made in the past. And it's been the greatest gift ever is marriage and stepping into that. And through that season as well, before we'd gotten married, she actually, one of the crazy things, her mom moved across the country, her sister moved across the country for school, and then her dad passed away. Oh. And that was heavy. All that happened. Where within, were her parents living? Uh, they were living up in Long Beach oh, or Seal Long Beach. Beach. Seal Beach. And then yep. they, they moved back east. And then, well, her parents were split up, but they still did everything together. Yeah. Which was really crazy. Mm. Yeah. Um, but her dad actually went with us to church a few times and loved it. Wow. Mom, we're working on that. We're praying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so her sister went to school in Philly. Her mom moved to North Carolina and her dad had a heart attack. And so all this happened Oof. within a few weeks and I had no idea how to walk her through that. I literally had to lean on the Holy Spirit. Like, God, I don't know what I need to be, but if she needs a voice I'll, or if she needs to ears to hear, I'll listen. If she needs someone to speak, I'll speak for her. If she needs to be held. I'll, you know, I'll hold her. If she needs to yell, I'll take it. Like, just let me be whatever I need to be in this season for her. And that was where it just accelerated and amplified, you know, our relationship to, okay, all this stuff is going on. I was like, I don't want you to feel like you don't have a family. Let's make our own. And so it was just like, let's go. (laughs) And And, then, and, and so that's when you asked her to marry you. Yeah. Around. Yeah. At that time. Yep. And this was this COVID year or 21? 21. 21. Yep. Mm-hmm. You just knew it was right. I just knew. Yep. Wow. Yep. And uh, obviously she said yes. How, yep. how long after that did you get married? It was like six months. Six months? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then, so that's 21, that's around 21, 22, and then you just, you... you already got your first and we already got our first the crazy thing on that too is like she was like i just don't want to be pregnant during school so even like right after we got married her school opened back up and so she was living up in santa barbara and then like commuting down like i'd go up there and hang out um but she was like i just don't want to put that stress on a baby and then literally her graduation day we tracked it back. No way. We found out. Yeah. So be wise with your prayers. Be specific. And she's like, just not during school. God's like, all right, you graduated. Game on. Oh my gosh. You gotta yep. be kidding me. No. Nope. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So you've got not, we've got, cause, cause my guy is such, so, uh, got so much going on. You gotta be what in, uh, you've got a 
uh, sponsorship? What's going on? Where you got to be? Oh, we're doing. Uh, well, I guess I can talk about it since it'll be posted later. We're doing oh, the right. tour announcement for Ooh. Nitro Circus. Ooh. So they're up in Costa Mesa. Yeah. And so, so we're gonna have to. We got nine minutes to land the plane. Let's go. All right. So let's let's finish with. I want you to flow a little bit more about. Okay. Um, you know, like what's guided you along, like like people that are listening and watching mm. right now. I mean, more than ever. Uh, in our country, let's, yeah. let's call it not just society, but our, let's call it, let's be more specific about yeah. our country. Right. People are extremely, we're being really manipulated by the media. We yeah. always have been. Right. right. We always have been. Let me, yep. let me state that. But nowadays, like, like for people that are just kind of in question, like, how do I, my life, I'm not happy. Mm. I'm not living a fulfilled life. This is great. Listen to Beaver being this fulfilled faith guy. Um, and JD, you know, being, uh, th- living out his purpose and all yeah. this stuff, like, but I- I'm broken right now. I'm not in good shape. Um, I, I'm not in touch with faith mm. where God, give them some, some pearls or some inspiration on where do you start? Like, what's the first thing that you do? Do you look in the mirror? W- like somebody that's struggling right now, listening to this, they need, they need guidance. They need inspiration. They're mm. in a dark place right now, bad relationships, whatever it is. I would start with silence the noise. Ooh. Get into a place where you can actually hear what you're dealing with. Because a lot of times the, the struggles we think we have, they're not what we really think we're dealing with. It's something deeper. But if you've got so much noise constantly, you're having so many conversations, you're talking to all these people, you're watching all these things, you're gonna not going to know what you really need to deal with. I would start there. I would say, quiet the noise. Do a phone fast. You know, turn your phone off for like a week if you can, or a couple days, or even give yourself an hour. Go on a walk. Go somewhere quiet where you can really just like, all right, what is it that I feel is not fulfilling me? What is it I feel that's attacking me? Like, get that's how you'll get your clarity on it. Because once you know, then you know how to get it out of there. Like, if you don't know what's wrong you don't know how to heal Hmm. i always say like i've had you know a couple surgeries it comes with the territory um and i've always chose to go opioid free because your body knows hey if there's pain i need to go send blood cells to heal that pain but if you numb that pain it doesn't know anything's broken it doesn't know it needs to go send something to heal it and fix it so i think again with our spirit like if we numb it by technology right yeah, yeah. if we numb it by going out to the bar if we numb alcohol, it by drugs yeah drugs alcohol women whatever you're numbing it with or news right like you can use news as a source of a drug and if you numb it you're not going to know what's really going on so give yourself that time to sober up you know get sober in your mind of like okay what is it that I'm feeling that's making me feel unfulfilled, unworthy, shame, guilt? And then you can, okay, all right, is it that big a deal? Or am I making it a bigger deal than it is? You can just be real with yourself. Get real with you. And I think the more real and honest you can be with you, it's going to unlock that destiny and give you a place for faith to be ignited, for hope to be sparked. And for love to be encouraged in your life. Like you can open yourself to say again, like I just talked about with that conversation with my wife, what you did is not who you are. It's not who you're called to be. It's a mistake you made. And again, we just celebrated Easter. Jesus paid the price for that. So realize and just ask God like, hey, God, will you help me heal? God, will you help me move forward? God, I know I haven't honored you with my life, but I want to make that change now. And I think we owe it to ourselves to honor ourselves by taking that time to get quiet, 
to silence the noise, get real and get clear on what it is we want. And then God will show us how to get there. Mm. But if we don't know where we are, then we're not going to know where to start going and what steps to take. Because it can be great. We can have all the strategy in the world of what we need to do, wake up at this time, do X, Y, and Z, check these boxes. But if we don't know where we're currently at, checking those boxes won't make a difference because we're still maybe broken. Maybe we're still sad. Maybe we're still in this place of defeat or depression or anxiety. And I think that's why our world is so crippled right now. It's, it's a lack of identity because people just have no idea who they are. They don't. And they, and I always say this, the more time you spend doing things to look cool or try and fit in, the more time you spend forgetting who it is that you actually are. Mm. You spend that time forgetting who it is you're called to be. And what we can do, the world like operates on this whole realm of action and what people have done and they label based on what you've done. But what I've learned in my life is who I am influences what I do. Mm. So if I'm faithful, if I'm obedient, decide what values do you want to have as a person? I think if we can go back to strategic values, this entire country could shift like that. Like that. Like that. Like if I'm, if I have a value, okay, my core values, I want to be faithful. I want to be honest. I want to tell the truth. I want to have joy in my life. That's going to show up in how I skateboard. That's going to show up in my marriage. That's going to show up in my relationship with you. It's going to show up in my relationship with friends. It's going to show up in how I show up at Pathfinders. It's going to show up in everything I do because they're like, oh, Beaver, Beaver's a faithful man. He's faithful to figure out this trick on a skateboard. He's faithful to honor his wife. He's faithful to honor God. He's faithful to you know, be good in this transaction, this business deal. He's faithful to be like a, a great partner to, to sponsor as a brand. Like that's what I've learned in my life. It's who I am will influence all day long what I do. And so I need to focus on who it is God's calling me to be, which is faithful, which is obedient, which is courageous, which is understanding, which is serving. And if you unlock that right there, that spells focus. Mm. faithful, obedient, courageous, understanding, serving. That's what I want to honor my life on. I want to have focus. That's what gives you clarity to know what's real, what's BS out there. Cause we're being filled with it all day long. Big time, dude. And what you said there was, um, get up, get the noise out Yep. and focus on what are your actual core values. Yep. And I'm hearing this a lot at Pathfinders and Awaken. Yeah. They focus on that and I've never really thought about it mm. until I got there. Yeah. And now I have my core values, same thing, faith, health. Yeah. Like I've got my core, like this is the foundation of myself, my family, my kids, mm. and we operate out of those core values Yeah. and expand from there. So if you're listening, listening to this, watching this, it's never too late. Yeah, never too late. And you just understand what they are. They're gonna look different on everyone. Right. And sometimes it's gonna take, you know, a pandemic or, you know, cultural lies to sift out what's underneath you and to call you to rise up. You know, if you're all comfortable, you're not necessarily going to know what your core values are. But when you're uncomfortable, you're like, all right, I actually don't believe or agree with this. I need to stand up for truth because people are lying all around me. And I'm, I'm as a core value, I, I won't stand for lies. So I'm going to start rising up to the truth. And so be grateful, you know, for the things that are going on, because I think it's unlocking and awakening an entire world right now of people that have a core value of truth and integrity, which if there's a deficiency of anything in this world, it's integrity right now. You know what I mean? So if we can, as believers in having that core value of integrity, rise in integrity, 
It's going to show up in how you sell a mattress. It's going to show up in how you do a podcast. It's going to show up in how you, again, go out with your family. As an integrous man, that speaks volumes. That declares the goodness of God over your life and will just continue to influence the kingdom in this broken world. Come on. Beaver Fleming, real deal talk, ladies and gentlemen. That was phenomenal. My man, 28 years old, as fluent as it gets, speaking from the heart, coming strong. Dude, this was fantastic. Come on. It's been an honor. Thank you. Real deal talk. That's a wrap, baby. Uh, Let's go. You. Bless you, JD. Thank you, brother. Bless you, my friend.